Anti-vax sentiment is increasingly infecting pets. A new study by Boston University researchers found that nearly 40% of dog owners believe that canine vaccines for rabies and other infectious diseases are unsafe. More than 20% believe the vaccines are ineffective and about 30% consider them to be medically unnecessary. The people most likely to be anti-vax for their four-legged friends are also opposed to human vaccines. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Latipo and Governor Ron DeSantis are urging most people not to get the updated COVID vaccine, even as their state leads the nation in COVID-related hospitalizations. The head of the CDC, who has recommended everyone get the shot, condemned the state's guidance as unfounded and dangerous. More and more health services are being provided by people without an MD. At least a quarter of healthcare visits are now performed by a nurse practitioner or physician assistant, according to new research in the BMJ. And that rural residents, low-income people, and people with disabilities are more likely to be treated by a non-physician. And... Former President Donald Trump's recent comments on abortion are roiling the anti-abortion movement and the GOP presidential primary. Politico's Sally Goldenberg, who covers the 2024 campaign, is here to explain. Happy to be here. So we reported this week on how Trump's recent comments on abortion are sparking some panic among anti-abortion advocates. So what did Trump say to catch people up and how are folks reacting to that? So Trump recently referred to the six-week ban on abortion that one of his rivals, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, signed into law this year as, uh, quote, terrible. And he basically has signaled all year long and put it in words again this past weekend that he's really not going to embrace any kind of a national ban on abortion. And he's gone as far as saying that the reason Republicans didn't do better in the midterms was because they were focused too much on abortion, which is a polarizing issue in general. General elections. Right. And he also said that, you know, if he's elected, he'll cut a deal between Democrats and Republicans, a great deal on abortion that everybody will be happy with. And that has been sort of trashed from all sides. But why are people so upset about what he said about both Florida's state ban and the idea of a federal ban? It's a very two-sided issue. It's very black and white. So I think everybody was kind of like, okay, what is this? You know, it's not like there's not really a middle ground. But in any case, I think, you know, on the Democratic side, they are a little freaked out because, you know, Trump is kind of like looking at the general election and almost neutralizing one of their best issues, which is abortion. You know, Biden and his team think they can win over independence by painting the right as too extreme on abortion. So they're a little freaked out. And then you have the groups, you know, Susan B. Anthony and other anti-abortion groups who are like completely boxed in by this because he's leading by, depends on the day, but let's call it 40 points is like the average lead he has over his primary opponents in the poll. And he's leading in the early states in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina by wide margins. So unless something changes, he will be the nominee. That is the assumption everyone has. And it's a really fair assumption. And he's signaling to the anti-abortion movement, like, I'm not going to give you what you want. And what are they going to do? Who are they going to back? You know, Mike Pence is one of them, but he's at like 4% in the polls. So they're really stuck. 
Absolutely. And some were pretty upfront with us and said, look, he's in all likelihood going to be the nominee. And, you know, you talk to Susan B. Anthony, and they're pretty much the biggest player in this field. And it sounds like they're planning to spend tens of millions of dollars to oppose Joe Biden and support the rival who is likely to be Trump, even if Trump is saying all this stuff that they don't want him to say. Yeah, that's exactly right. What they said to me when I asked them, like, what's sort of the incentive for Trump or any candidate to take on the position that you want, which is a federal ban of, I think, a minimum of 15 weeks? Like, what's the incentive there? And they were like, well, without the base, Trump's going to have a hard time winning the general election. And that might be true. But I think from Trump's point of view, without independence and without the swing voters and the sort of, quote unquote, like suburban soccer moms, he's going to have a hard time. And he's made a calculation. And if the toughest thing they can say to him is like, well, we'll be here for you and we'll spend the money even if we don't want to. But good luck. We might not be able to convince, you know, our most ardent single issue voters to be with you. I think that's a gamble he has decided he's going to take because he thinks there's more to gain in the position that he's taking. Right. And let's be clear, Donald Trump has not suddenly become a abortion rights hero in any sense. He's also, you know, boasting about appointing the justices to the Supreme Court who overturned Roe v. Wade. He's talking about all of the anti-abortion policies he pushed during his first term in office. And so is he kind of trying to have it both ways? No, you're exactly right. The candidates who are sort of sinking in the polls and want this issue to revive their candidacies like Ron DeSantis, you know, who's I think probably the only person who was very happy by Trump's remarks, by the way, because it gives him in his mind an opening in Iowa, which is the first state and it's very socially conservative. But in any case, I think they would be very quick to point out, as they have been in the right, that he's totally trying to have it both ways. He's saying on the one hand, how could you call me pro-choice when I, you know, appointed the Supreme Court justices without me Roe wouldn't have been overturned. And that was so great. And then on the other hand, he's saying, yeah, but we can't campaign on this. It's a losing issue. And, you know, I think it's maddening for his opponents because this is what Trump does. And he does it sometimes politically effectively. And I think they're afraid that this is going to be one of those times where like he's sort of as an answer for everyone. I mean, I think ultimately, big picture, it's still a better issue electorally for Democrats because Biden can still say to the country, like, we would not have the overturn of Roe were it not for Trump. And that's proven to be a problematic issue at the ballot box, you know, over and over again in the last year, year and a half. And you've been covering DeSantis's struggling campaign a lot. And like you said, he clearly sees this as an opening. He's attacked Trump and said that pro-life voters should know that Trump would sell them out. Is any of this likely to work and help him? It might help in very socially conservative early states in the primary. I bet that like it gives some incentive to the pro-life movement to like sort of get together and back a candidate. I just don't think ultimately it's enough. Polls don't show that abortion is the top issue for Republican voters. You know, they're concerned about the border. They're concerned about inflation. They're concerned about sort of America's place in the world, the war in Ukraine, the economy, which I guess is, you know, tantamount to inflation. So abortion just doesn't really rank as a top issue. It's I don't want to call it a niche issue because it's more than that. It's a top issue, I should say, for a sliver of the electorate. And I just don't think it's going to be enough to win the primary. I think it helps on the margins and it'll help in Iowa, which is an important state but it's not enough to win. So what are you going to be watching going forward on this in terms of what role these historically very powerful, very influential anti-abortion groups have in the race? 
I mean, what I'm curious to see is what do they actually spend their money on? I mean, they have Susan B. Anthony said they'll spend more than 80 million, basically, which is what they 78 million or whatever they spend in the midterms. But the question I have is like, what do they spend it on? Like, are they actually going to help Trump if he's the nominee, even if he's sort of thumbing his nose at them? Or are they going to say, well, that's sort of a losing battle for us. So let's focus on, you know, individual state measures like in Florida, you know, where DeSantis is currently the governor, there's a movement by Planned Parenthood and other groups to get a countermeasure on the ballot to undo the six-week ban. I'm curious, like, is SBA going to spend money opposing that and how effective will that be? Well, thank you so much for coming on and helping us understand this complicated development and looking forward to seeing where things go. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese and Alex Keeney are our senior producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. Want to know what the man who hopes to be Britain's next Prime Minister thinks about the world? Join me, Anne McElvoy, to hear Labour leader Keir Starmer's views on China, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and why Barack Obama is his go-to source of advice. It's all in the first episode of Power Play. Unpacking it, I'll be joined by a transatlantic Politico duo, Rosa Prince, editor of London Playbook, and Hal Tuzi, senior foreign affairs correspondent in Washington, D.C. So do join us as we try to make the Atlantic a little less wide for the inaugural episode of Power Play, wherever you get your podcasts.